0: I'm excited for for what God has to share with us today. How many are excited for God's Word? I knew I was in the right church. So how many of you feel ready for Christmas? Like eight? (laughs) How many of you are getting ready for Christmas? Like you're still, still working on it, still working on it. All right, well, at my house this year, we got ready a little sooner than we typically do. And if you don't know my family, my lovely bride here on the front, Lana, if land a few and i just wave to the peoples. Uh, my lovely bride of 25 plus years. We have uh, our oldest son, Jackson, is at Bible school in Dallas at CFNI. He's 21. And then my youngest uh, is Kara. She's 17. She's a senior in high school. Kara has the Christmas kind of elf spirit like I do. And so usually... Uh, close to Thanksgiving, I start getting the hint drops. But this year, about the end of the first week in November, was the first conversation where Kara was like, "Hey, Dad, when we when we put up the Christmas lights?" And I was like, "It's 89 degrees outside!" Like, <laughs> <laughs> and so I thought it'd be cool to show you guys a couple of pictures, uh, if that's all right. Is that okay? Yeah. All right, let's do that. So this first picture here is of my Christmas elf. Um, so Kara, this was right after, I took this picture right after I said, uh, hey, Russ, a little knot here, if you could help. Uh, and that's the look I also get when asking her to do other things, uh, but, that's, uh, but that's that. Then the next shot is uh, of Walter. Walter was a new addition to the exterior presentation of Christmas at our house a couple of years ago, so Walt is praying for snow. We'll see. Um, heard rumors. Uh, next one, this is our finished product. So did we do okay? We do all right? Yeah, and uh, and Kara, she su- she truly loves doing this, and it's such a big help to me because I don't have to get up and down off the ladder about 800 times because I'm like, hey babe, can you get this? Can you get that? Can you give me the clips? Can you, you know? And she's she's running for me. So we, I think we set a record this year, didn't we? Yeah. Um. So, uh, next picture is uh, there's a this is just some of the kind of Christmas prepared uh, preparations for this year, but this is our our Christmas bell collection. Now the story behind this is that the first year that Elaine and I were married, she got a Christmas bell. And then we just kind of started into the tradition of every year buying a bell to represent um, the next year of Christmas. And that was really fun until about bell 20, 21, 22, 25. And almost every year, the last couple of years, Elaine's like, can we like stop with the bells? She's like, I don't have any place to put the bells. Um, I was like, no, we cannot stop buying the bells because I'm like a traditional Kinda of guy I like. We have a tradition. Like, let's let's keep buying the bells. Uh, not all the bells made it out of hiding this year, but that is a sampling of the bells. So ultimately, one day when we go on to glory, we're going to give all the bells to our kids, and they'll have to figure out what to do with it. Um, <laughs> the next picture is just another little uh, sprinkle of Christmas, uh, and then finally, uh, this is our little Christmas tree and our mantle. And the point I kind of, I guess, I'm making in, in all this is. Um, there's, there's a couple of major ways we get ready for Christmas. And, you know, all of us tend to kind of put up our trees and, and do the decorations and all that. But especially today, as we come into the first Sunday of December, um, I wanted us to focus on the preparation of our heart for Christmas. Um, and specifically, we're in this series that Pastor started on Advent. Um, how many of you grew up kind of with an awareness of Advent or, or celebrated it? Okay, not many. In this service, I was, we didn't necessarily, we we understood the priority of Christmas because that really is what Advent is all about, is looking towards Jesus. But we didn't necessarily have all the traditions associated with it. So if it would be helpful, uh, could I give you guys a couple of just tidbits about Advent so maybe you can understand a little better what that is? Um, I guess it is. I have the microphone. and you could disagree, but I don't know what what you do with that. Um, So with that, Um, as pastor shared, I think in the first week of the series, the word Advent just means, it comes from the Latin word adventus, which just means coming. And then that is a translation of the Greek word parousia, which means second coming. So Advent, just kind of to summarize it, it focuses on three major things. One is the coming of Jesus to the world and the first coming, or the nativity that we celebrate, him coming to earth as a baby. The second one is our receiving of him and him coming to us in our heart for salvation. And the third one is what we're still all looking forward to, the second coming. And so all Advent really is designed to do as Christians and believers is to focus us on the point. And how many knows nowadays more than ever it's difficult. Sometimes to stay focused, right? Um, Traditional observances around Advent, just to give you a few Advent calendars, often you'll find like scriptures, candy, toys, those kinds of things uh, in those. Uh, There's a lighting of the candles on the Advent wreath to commemorate and mark the four different weeks of Advent. Uh, Advent daily devotionals, uh, putting up the Christmas tree, which we all tend to do. And the Christmas tree, which is a wholly different, a totally different tree, but I don't have time to go into it. Look that up; it's it's interesting. Um, baking, festive items, other traditions. There's lots of other ways to celebrate that, but those are just a few. And so. As we really open Advent today, and I didn't realize when Pastor asked me to speak today that I'd be speaking on the first day of Advent, but what God dropped in my heart, it kind of made sense, uh, because we're going to be talking about really the the first theme of Advent today, which is hope. Um, I want to point us to what the first candle on the Advent wreath represents, the hope that leads us to anticipate Jesus Christ. The first candle is purple, the primary color of Advent, and a color symbolizing royalty. Sometimes called the prophecy candle, the first candle hearkens us back to Isaiah's foretelling of the birth of Christ and all the promises that God gave us in the Old Testament that would be fulfilled by the birth of Christ. So again, Advent is really just a way to mark the days and weeks leading up to Christmas, focusing on its criticality and importance to our faith, Can I get an amen? So I've got a couple of texts for our time today. If you'd stand for the reading of God's word, we're going to do that together, if you're able. And both of these, I'll, do, I'll expound a little more later in the message. I'm just going to read them to you to, to start. This is a, we're in Luke 2, which is typical for kind of the sharing of the Christmas story, but I'm not actually reading a part that gets read very often because I felt like the the message was was a little later. It's still very much connected to the Christmas story, and it's in verse uh, 25. But what I want to do is kind of read you into it. So at this point, Jesus has already been born. He's been taken to be circumcised after eight days, and now it's been 40 days since, and Mary and Joseph are taking him to the temple, and that's where we kind of pick up. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. In other words, he was waiting for the Messiah. He was anticipating the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus, so when Mary and Joseph brought him in to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. In other words, I'm happy I can go to be with you now. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. The second Passage I want to read is from Hebrews, it's verse uh, chapter 10, verse 19. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us, through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. How many need that? Need that today, sometimes every day, right? And having our bodies washed with pure water. This is the the verse that's the anchor for today. Let us hold unswervingly. You guys say "unswervingly." unswervingly. Hold fast to the hope that we profess. For he who promised Is faithful. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what this season represents for all of us. I thank you that we are walking into a time where more than ever we need to be centered and focused on you, upon your presence on this earth, your sacrifice for us, and ultimately the future that you prepared for us. So let us do that today. In Jesus' name, and all God's kids said, amen, amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing for, the, for God's word. I titled our message today, Fix Your Hope. Fix Your Hope. And I think you can apply that title two different ways, kind of as a double meaning. I think we can talk about fix your hope as in we got some hope repair to do. We got to fix it. And I think we can talk about it as we want to lock in on what the real hope is, what true hope is. And so I only have two points for you today. Say amen. Um, they're, uh, they're, they're kind of, uh, they're easy to connect to, uh, but I feel like this is, this is really the, the, the meat of what God wanted us to take away from today. On a day where we're really focusing in on him. We're looking at where to fix our hope. And how we know that he is the living hope? So, our point number one, what unfixes my hope? If we're talking about to how to fix my hope, what can unfix it? And we'll start there. So what's the hope I'm talking about today? Biblical hope not only desires something good for the future, it expects it to happen because this hope we're talking about is a person. How many know that if, if I put my hope in things in the horizontal, I can be Disappointed. If I put my hope in the vertical, I will never be disappointed. And that's kind of what we're talking about today. Um, Hope appears 151 times in the King James, or the New King James, 133 in the King James, 180 in the NIV, 164 in the ESV. And in the majority of those places, hope is tied directly to the person and the promises of God. Many of you probably know Proverbs 13, 12. It says, hope deferred makes the heart what? Sick. How many have had sick hearts before? I have two. Why, why do our hearts get sick? Part of what we're gonna be un- unlocking today or talking about today is when I put my hope in other things that can't hold the weight, then I'm left disappointed. Then I'm left Unfulfilled. I'm left anxious because those things couldn't bear the weight. Only one source of hope can bear all the weight. Amen. So one key I, wanna, I want you to keep in mind today that's really tightly connected here is where we fix our hope or where we anchor our hope is imperative and directly connected to our experience of joy. I want to say that again. Where we fix our hope is imperative and directly connected to how we experience joy. You could say it this way, true joy only comes from properly fixed hope, right? True joy only comes from properly fixed hope. I wanna take a look at something Paul said from Romans 10, verse 11. This is the Amplified Version. It says, for the scripture says, whoever believes in him, whoever adheres to, trusts in, relies on him, Will not be disappointed. Say, will not be disappointed. You guys are doing a great job today. Thank you. Um, For there is no distinction between Jew and Gentile, for the same Lord is Lord over all of us, and he is abounding in riches for all who call on him in faith and prayer. What Paul's saying here, number one, what I like about it is that God doesn't play favorites. How many are thankful for that? And it's not based on who, you know, who, who had all the gold stars for perfect attendance and brought their offering and brought their Bible and all the things. I don't know if y'all, y'all did that. We got gold stars for that when I was growing up, our memory verse. Um, but that's not what he's talking about. Jesus doesn't look at us that way. He sees us all the same, exactly the same. Um, and he also is saying to us here that if we place our hope in Jesus, we can never be disappointed. So why do you guys think that hope placement is so important? Why do you think that's important? Well, because sometimes, like Clark, we get the Jelly of the Month Club subscription instead of the big Christmas bonus, right? (laughs) Anybody ever had, maybe not that exact experience, but you had an expectation that was met with the Jelly of the Month Club, um, you know, sometimes the girl, the big city girl, lawyer that comes home for the holidays into the sleepy little Christmas town doesn't find true love. Oh, no. It's true. <laughs> and it, it never happens on Hallmark, but I promise you in real life, <laughs> this happens. <laughs> right? Sometimes my dad doesn't quit working at the big city publisher and just tells me to shoot right? And I could go on, but I'll spare you. You're welcome. Um, But the point is, if we have our expectations and our hope set on things or circumstances or how we feel or these things that are temporal, the guarantee is that you'll be disappointed because those things fail. At some point, they always do. Let me also kind of illustrate for you, too, the difference. So I'm talking about hope and joy and kind of their inner their interlocking uh, components. Joy and happiness are not the same thing. Happiness is fleeting. Like, how many of you have ever woken up on a given morning, and there's not a particular reason for you to feel happy. It's just a good day. Like, you wake up, you slept well. The kids slept in, parents. Um, right? Right? Your, uh, your significant other, you know, didn't get up and down 15 times during the night, maybe. I don't know. Um, but for whatever reason, you just wake up in a great mood. Things are going well. The work's going well. You know, nothing to, to be upset about. And then all of a sudden, like, wham! I got some of you, didn't I? Um, something happens. And, like, the, the happiness vampire latches on and, like, sucks all of it out of you, Right? So the thing happens, I had, Elaine and I had one of these experiences last year, I'll share from my pain, okay? Um, Last year, about this time, how many remember we were in the freeze? Yeah, I know it's hard to imagine at this moment, but it's, it, it was really, really cold for a number of days in a row. And so we were preparing actually to, to spend Christmas Eve services with all of you and our family I'd come early. Elena was coming later. And about 15 minutes or so before the service, I get this panicked phone call from my wife describing Jumanji at my house. It was pouring water from the light sockets and pouring water out of the attic. And it was through the seams and the sheetrock. And our water filter system had busted. And it was dumping gallons and gallons and gallons of water all throughout our garage. And so I rush home, obviously, any happiness that I had (laughs) was gone (laughs) because we spent the next little bit cleaning up all the the damage and, you know, calling all the people. But here's what I want you to get from that. You know, it didn't take us terribly long after all of the dust settled, I guess the water settled in this case, um, for Elaine and I to kind of change our perspective because we were disappointed we didn't get to be here with our Pathway family. We were disappointed we didn't get to celebrate that together as a family. But immediately we began looking at, well, thank the Lord that the water stayed in the garage and it didn't go into the rest of the house. And thank the Lord that we have insurance so that we could call and start getting all that stuff taken care of. And so, um, it, you know, there, there are times where we may experience things like that or go through difficulties. It's real easy to allow those things to pull us into a bad place. But we, if our hope is anchored in him, it never can. Do you see what I'm saying there? And so if you think about you know, all of the things that, um, that can go wrong in life, that's, a, that's an overwhelming thought, right? But you only really need one thing right, and that's our hope fixed on him. And then he helps us take care and go through anything that we experience here on earth. Amen? Um, I just think about, like, the book of Acts with the apostles. You know, there was that account of them being beaten mercilessly for preaching the gospel. I mean, beaten to the point where the skin was taken off their backs. And you find them rejoicing. Now, you might think, what kind of lunatics are these guys, <laughs> right? Right? But what you see in their story is their, their commitment, where their faith was fixed, where their hope was fixed, because it wasn't on themselves. They were counted worthy to endure suffering in the name of Jesus, and their joy came out. And I know that's a... Stark contrast to how most of us respond to trials and tragedies, but that's my challenge today: is no matter what you have been through or what you may go through in this Christmas season, let's keep the main thing the main thing. Let's keep our hope fixed on Him and Him alone. Amen. All right, I want to cover a couple of practical things with you. How many you like practical things? I do. Um, I heard a message about three years ago from a pastor I really respect, and I, I wanted to share. I can't share all of this piece of it with you, but I want to share enough that's helpful. Um, and it speaks to hope thieves. Now, he didn't say it this way, but this is my, my translation, a version of it. What steals our hope? And he, he had it broken down into two categories. One is surface idols. And these are things that we see on the surface, stuff that's apparent typically to those that are around us. The manifestations of source idols, which there's only four of those. There's many of the the surface idols. There's only four source idols. But here's what I wanna challenge you to do with me for just a a minute. I want you to to look at yourself honestly. I know we're in church and that can be harder for some than others. But I want us to look honestly at our hearts. I, I have done this myself. I want us to take a look at, our hearts through this lens and let's, let's double check where our heart and where our hope is anchored. So surface idols, and this is not an exhaustive list because I don't have time, but this is just a few real quickly to kind of give you an idea. Image, life only has meaning and I only have worth if I have a particular kind of look or body imagery. Guys, to be healthy is not a bad thing. Actually, it's a very good thing and very biblical thing. But when it becomes the thing, it's the wrong thing. Does that make sense? When it becomes the thing I have to have that I put my hope in, that if I have to look a certain way, I have to be a certain way, I have to have, you know, these muscles, <laughs> whatever that is, right? What happens if I don't? What happens if illness comes? What happens if sickness comes? What happens if life throws me curveballs where I'm not able to take care of that for a season? Then, <sighs> Hope crashes, right? Completely just decimated. Work. So image work. I'm highly productive getting a lot done. If I'm highly productive getting a lot done, then there's, there's where my hope is. There's where my value is. That's where I'm getting my identity from. Again, hard work is a good thing. But anything taken into an unhealthy place becomes a bad thing, right, in excess, So I'm just saying if if you build your identity on you getting or being able to get things done, then you become a slave to that, and we're worshiping at the wrong altar, right? Uh, Achievement. Here's one for some of us. If I'm recognized for my accomplishments, if I'm excelling in my career, if I'm winning, like that's where it comes from. That's where life has meaning. That's where I have worth. I have to have those Accomplishments. I have to have people recognize me, see me for those things. I have to win. Anybody ever felt that pressure? Here's one, materialism. I have to have a certain level of wealth. I have to have a certain level of finances. I have to have the certain kinds of possessions for, for people, for myself to be validated, to be valued. That's where I'm placing my, my values. That's where I'm placing my hope. Here's, here's another one, religion. Yeah. If I'm adhering to my religion's rules, I'm, I'm accomplishing its activities, then that's where my value, my identity comes from. Any of these things let you down, right? Any of these things, if we put our hope in them, they can't hold up to the weight, right? And then there's, you know, you, get, you can have your hope fixed on an individual. Uh, if this one person in my life is happy or not, if they're happy with me or not, I live my life there. Um, here, here's a big one um the The relationship one, if Mr. and Mrs. Wright is in love with me or not, or if I have that person, if I get my value or my identity or my hope in a relationship, um that will crush us if it if it doesn't work out and let me tell you, even the ones that work out don't work out sometimes, right, so we got to have our hope anchored in him first right any, any am I preaching anyone in this room yeah. okay because I see a lot of hmm, hmm, right? Just take an honest look. But here's what I wanted to get to with this. We never say any of these things out loud, right? But let's take a look at our activity. Let's take a look at our behaviors. Let's take a look at how other people are experiencing us sometimes. And that will shine a light on it. Again, those surface idols are all the things that we can see. I want to get to the four source idols. And here they are. Four source idols, I'm talking about hope thieves, right? I'm talking about the things that steal our hope or that cannot stand up under the weight of it. Number one, comfort. Ooh, yeah, I heard the groan. Um, we want it now. We want it easy. We naturally want life to be easy. How many would like an easy button that you could actually worked, that you could push, right? I'd sign up for it. I'm just saying. When your comfort, though, is attacked or compromised, if your hope is fixed on it, you lash out at people, especially if you're inconvenienced, because we like comfort. Like, don't mess mess with my bubble, right? (laughs) I know none of you have ever had that experience. It's just me, but learn from my pain, okay? But no one, I promise you, laid in bed when they were little kids thinking, you know, if I could just have a plain, easy, boring, invisible life, that'd be awesome. No. Why? Because we're actually created to be risk takers. We're created to pioneer, to take ground, right? That's how God, the ultimate creator, created all of us. And so within that, if we're constantly looking for how to be comfortable, let me tell you, being a follower of Christ, those things can't coexist. If they do, it's because your hope is somewhere else. It's in comfort. Um, and there's so much I want to say there, but I got to move. Comfort, approval. This was one for me, guys, okay? Approval. People have to like me. I have to live my life in such a way so that people are okay with me, so that I please them, so that they like me. I need affirmation to be okay. If this is you, you're likely anxious most of the time. Did I do too much? Did I do enough? Did I blow it? Are they okay with me? Did I mess up? Any of those thoughts sound familiar? We enslave ourselves to the opinions of other people. and doing this, ironically, we never actually feel approval even when they give it to us. It's, it's a dangerous place to be. I can speak from personal experience. As a matter of fact, I spent a lot of my life trying this. Can I, can I help you? Maybe some of you are, are where I was. There's not enough that you can do to make everybody okay. Matter of fact, especially in leadership, it will kill you. I spent a lot of years trying to be all things for all people, to make people, make everybody happy. Guess what? Nobody can do that. It's, like, it's a fool's errand. But it is, a, it is a, an unhealthy place to anchor our hope or see our value. Because if we do, guess what? When that person rejects you or when you get a mean email, <laughs> I've gotten a few of those, um, all of a sudden your world collapses, right? Your hope is dashed. Control, comfort, approval, control. And the last one is power. These fix their hope and joy and success or influence. The feeling that is that if when I lose, it's a personal reflection on me. That it results in loneliness, feeling stuck, empty, humiliated. Because my value was in Succeeding, my value was in having a power and authority. And when all of a sudden I, I, I was seen as fallible, it was all the self-judgment. I'm a failure. I'm not good enough. All that. It's a dangerous place to be. Because we've all, we've all, we're all going to fail. I mean, how many in this room haven't ever failed? Don't you raise your hand? <laughs> all right. Uh, I thought I could get a hundred percent on that one. Good job. But. Think about those. Think about them when you, after you leave today. Comfort, approval, control, and power. They're all hope thieves. They're all places that we tend to place our hope that fail us, that ultimately come to ruin. If what you're hoping for is any of those things, here's what I can also promise you. Joy won't be anywhere around you. It is impossible to have joy in my view and in my study of of the word and in my life experience. It is impossible to have my hope placed anywhere else other than Christ and not be disappointed. Now, I can have good moments, good seasons, right? I can be happy for a few days in a row, right? But ultimately, if my hope is anchored in any of those other places, we lose, You know, the the things that we struggle with on this earth, whether it's addiction or or difficulties in relationships or you name it, can I I tell you something really reassuring? Jesus knows all of it. Even the things you haven't told your kids or your spouse or your family, he knows all of it and he still loves you. (laughs) And he still has his hope anchored in you. He hasn't given up on you. And I don't know about you, but that has saved me many a day, knowing that he's always always on my team, that just because I have a bad day or I mess up or I get my hope stuck in other things, he doesn't discard me, right? So those are some of the things that unfix our hope. Let's look at the bright side. You want to do that? Uh, What fixes my hope? What fixes my hope? So I want to circle back to our text that we opened with, and I want to kind of give a little bit of insight or expound on that just a smidge. Um, Luke chapter 2, verse 25, and listen to this kind of with with my comments. Now, there was a man. Y'all say man. Say regular dude. All right, Simeon is who we're talking about here. Simeon wasn't a king. He wasn't an apostle. He wasn't a prophet, although he did prophesy in the the text here. He was just a dude, and that gives guys like me hope. I like the fact that God moves and, and works on behalf of just regular people. Amen? But here he was, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting, say anticipating. The consolation of Israel, again, that just means he was waiting for the Messiah to come. He had his heart set there. He had his hope set there. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Messiah. I think that's such a cool promise, right? Again, just a regular guy. But because God saw his heart and saw his hope fixed on Jesus the coming of Jesus, God said, I got got a gift for you. I'm going to let you see him and not just see him as we'll find out here in the text. Moved by the spirit. Say moved by the spirit. He went into the temple courts. Now think about this. Simeon had grown accustomed to a life of prayer, that you can't be led by the Holy Spirit the way that he was and convince me otherwise. But I want you to think about this as it relates to your lives. When we do that, when we do what Simeon, Simeon's doing here, he heard the leading of the Holy Spirit, went to the temple, and Jesus just so happened to be showing up at that exact moment in time. Can I tell you that when we have our hope in him, and we have our faith in him, he makes sure that we show up to the right place at the right time every time. Amen? I love that about this story. When the parents brought the child, Jesus, in to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms, I'm I'm thinking with Mary and Joseph's permission, I, I hope, and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. I don't think it does any harm to the text to say it this way, for my eyes have seen your living hope, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon, I want you to put yourself in his kind of seat for just a moment. Again, just a regular guy, just like you and me. He didn't do anything special or noteworthy in other any other place in scripture that we can we can find. But this particular time, and and, and I want to say this too, by the way, there are no extraneous, flippant things in scripture. So like Luke wasn't looking for filler material. Like I gotta fluff this up a bit. Like I don't have enough words. No, Simeon and the next person we're going to talk about, Anna, in the next couple of verses, they were in there for a reason, and I feel like part of the reason is what we're trying to latch on to today, because we see two people that were convinced that the hope of the world was found in Jesus Christ, and that was where they centered their life. But in Simeon, we see by virtue of his faith in God, God sees that and rewards him. Simeon didn't ask for it. We don't see in here Simeon saying, God, I want to I see him with my own eyes. I want to touch him. I want to hold him. God promised it to him, right? And then God was faithful to deliver on the promise. And then you see Simeon in there prophesying a little bit. So, you know, God kind of poured a double portion out on him. Uh, but that's what we see as we continue in verse 25 or 33 rather, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. I wanna stop there to say this. He's prophesying about the future, the acceptance of the Messiah here. The ones that are falling are the ones that don't put their hope in him. The ones that are rising are the ones that do. I wanna be a riser. You guys with me? I want to put my hope in him and I want to rise. I do not want to fall. And to be a sign that will be spoken against that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. And again, with Simeon, what we're looking at here is is a picture of God's faithfulness for you and I. It's just another affirmation of that. It's another reassurance that no matter who we are, where we come from, what we do, that by virtue of us placing our hope in him, God's hand is upon us, we hear his voice and we see the benefit of living life under his authority. Amen. Let's move over to Anna for a second. Verse 36, there also was a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped day and night, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. I love Anna's story. And here's why. I think a lot of us can relate with an Anna. Anna started out her life and everything was going pretty good. She got married. She probably had dreams and visions for her life. She had things that she wanted to do with her husband, the family that she wanted to build. But somewhere along the way, seven years in, her husband passes away. Now here's what I can promise you from Mark. This is Mark's opinion. Some of my opinions are documented in Second Mark. Um, (laughs) Sorry, these are the jokes, guys. Um, No, but with Anna, here's what we see. If I believe that if Anna had gone through that experience and made a judgment against God and decided to throw the pity party and decided to check out or to give up on him because life didn't go the way that she had it mapped out, I don't believe we would have ever heard from her. I don't believe her her story would be here. What we instead, though, see is an Anna, a very young Anna, at 7 you know 7 years into her marriage she couldn't have been they married early back then so she's in her 20s at least right we see someone who went through this unbelievable and unimaginable loss a loss that a lot of our church family have experienced really hard things but what did she do she chose to fix her hope on god and ultimately on the messiah She gave herself to the Lord, and as a result, God gifted her with the gift of prophecy, the gift of worship, the gift of intercession. She received all those gifts because God saw her heart. He saw her heart was fixed on him. And because of that, we see Anna in Scripture. We see her coming to the temple, getting to see the Messiah And then ultimately she goes out and she becomes an evangelist. She decides to tell anyone and everyone who who will listen about Jesus, the Jesus, the Messiah has come. I want that to be our story, right? Part of what all of this message really centered around today is looking, take an honest look at ourselves, where we have placed our hopes, where we placed our desires and making a decision. Do I have it in the right place? And if not, can I fix it? Can I fix it? What kind of impact do you think that we could all have if going through difficulties like Anna's or there's lots of different ways that we experience sorrow in this earthly life? But what would happen, do you think, of the people around us if we chose joy and if we chose hope going through those difficult things? I'll tell you what happens. We become very attractive to a people looking for hope because if they can look into your story and they can see something's up, kind of like the apostles, they were beaten and they were rejoicing. If they can see you go through hard things and they can see hope in you and joy in you, they're gonna think, what is wrong with them? What did you do? I've heard testimonies like that from some people in our church family going through hard things. When that happened, it's like the light bulb turned on. And everyone around them all of a sudden saw this, this hope that was latched and securely attached to Jesus. And because of that, people came to know him. People returned to him. And so if you guys will stand with me, that's kind of where we're going we're gonna to begin to wrap up our time That's my challenge to you. And maybe you haven't gone through a really difficult thing yet. I pray that you haven't. But here's what I will tell you. If you will pre-decide that no matter what comes, my hope is gonna stay securely attached to him, whatever the the battle is that you face, you'll win. And keeping in mind that our eternity on this kind of rope of our lives, if you will, this experience on earth is like this. And our eternity is never ending. The time we will spend with him, with all of, all of you in eternity, that's what matters. So no matter how hard it gets here, we can have him here, we can experience him here, we can experience joy here, we can have hope here, but also keep our eyes fixed on his second coming when we get to spend forever with him. Amen. Amen. If you give God praise for his word today. If you'll bow your heads, I just wanna I felt compelled this morning in my office as I was praying to, to do this. If you've been in service with us today, whether it's in worship or with what I was just sharing, and you've felt the Holy Spirit tug on your heart and you realize, I've had my hope in the wrong thing. And maybe you've never placed your trust in Jesus. And that's the group I wanna wanna address first. If you've never made a decision for him or if you've been away from him and your hope has been scattered, but today you're saying, I want to come back. I wanna securely anchor myself to his hope. If that's you just want you to raise your hand where I can pray for you where you stand. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I feel like there's one more. It's okay. You can still pray with me. Just want us all to pray this together. Jesus, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that I can trust you, that no matter what life may bring, my hope is found in you. My hope should be attached to you, should be linked to you. And today I wanna make that change. I wanna unfix my hope from all this other stuff, from all the junk and the noise and the busyness. Lord, I wanna attach myself to your living hope. So today I ask for your forgiveness for any sin in my heart, any pride, any arrogance, any self-reliance. Lord, I just humbly come before you and ask that you'd touch my heart, that you'd apply your blood to my heart and wash it white as snow. I commit today to do my best to follow you, not just to be a Christian in name, but to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, to anchor my hope, in you so that no matter what storm may come I know I not only can go through it with you but I can win with you in Jesus name Amen so, so as you leave prayer team you can come down So, as you leave I want to leave you with this thought So this Christmas and Advent season, my challenge to you pathway is to fix your hope on Jesus at the center every day. When things are going great, know he is with you. When things are unbearable, know that he is with you. Know that he is always for you. Know that he always and unconditionally loves you. My prayer for all of you this year is that for every twinkling light you see, Christmas carol you hear, present that you buy or get, that you'd be constantly reminded of the living hope and true joy that came into the world over 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ was born. And as we turn our focus today on this first Sunday of Advent, let's all commit to fix our hope on him and him alone. Amen. Will you do that? So let me pray for you and then I'll let you go. As I dismiss, that would be the time to come down. If you need prayer for anything that we talked about today or if you need prayer for your body or your family or any, any prayer need whatsoever, I wanna encourage you to come as, as the rest of us leave. Uh, but make your, do, 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 that. do do that, do that, do that thing. Um, and uh, these, these folks pray for me. I know they'd love to pray for you. So Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray that it would seat itself deeply in our hearts. And I pray this would be the most special Christmas season that all of us have ever had. As we focus on you, as we fix our eyes on you, as we fix our hope in you, that we experience it in a completely different and transformative way. In Jesus' name, and we all said,
1: Hey, Pastor Marty here from Pathway Church. And I just want to say thank you for joining us. And I want to encourage you to get connected and stay connected. And there's several ways you can do that. Number one, you can download the Pathway app. We are all the time offering resources and information on that app for you. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you do, make sure you click the bell so that you never miss any life-giving and life-changing content as we add it to the channel. And then also uh, make sure you follow us on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook. Look, our hope and heart for you is that you walk in the purpose for which God made and created and redeemed you for. We love to connect people to purpose. We thank you for giving us this opportunity. And if you're ever in Longview or you are in Longview, I'd love to invite you to join us in person each weekend. Listen, I pray God's best for your life. I believe If you follow Jesus, your best is ahead.